Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. How's everybody doing? If somebody shows up right now, we'll know what happened. I don't know if we should clap when they come in or just ignore them. Sure, it happens. I'm glad Morgan put something on Facebook because I was like, man, I completely forgot. I mean, I'm sure at some point, because you know, your phones change automatically. It would just be dark when you get up and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> you guys heard about the joke of the buddies that tricked their their roommate? They changed all the clocks in the house and they all got up. Hey, get up, we're late, we gotta go. So he hops up, jumps in the shower, they change all the clocks back to the regular time and lay back down. <laughs> kind of scratching his head what's going on it's great times that dorm life gotta make up for the, for, for the lack of good food so this morning man happy to see all some new faces here and appreciate you guys enduring the time change so this last week we started a series covering the basic uh, basics of the Christian faith so we, we covered uh repentance on the dead works and we covered the concept of what it is so i'm going to give just a super quick introduction and today we're going to look at faith towards god or faith in god that, that next concept um, so all of these are a foundational system all of these things are required for the basics of our christian belief system and the more and more i look at it they're basic but they're intertwined into everything else you know, so, you know, we shared last week talking about the foundation, how the foundation is the base and then everything else is built. Well, this foundation of all of these concepts are woven through the whole fabric of the house. You know, it's not that they stay, we just leave them as a foundation. That's the only purpose they serve. They serve as more than just that initial foundation and then we just leave them. You know, it's something that we continually take with us. It's something that we have to remember and we have to be reminded of. And those foundation concepts help establish the greater concepts. Because what does it say? In Hebrews 1 or 6, 1 through 2. So this is the core verse. It says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, which we covered last week. And of faith towards God. So we're going to look at that today. And then it keeps going. It says, Instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So if, if we look at this, how these are laid out, if we follow them in order, it really spans the entire uh, gamut of the Christian experience. It starts from the repentance to the faith, you know, to the baptism, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, laying on of hands, which we're going to talk about um, in, in a few weeks, and then resurrection of the dead to eternal judgment. So we go from this place of salvation to this place of where we're before God in eternal judgment. And you're like, man, it's crazy. But it calls these the basic elementary principles, the beginning. So if these are the beginning, man, we have to make sure that we're established in those things and we understand what they are. So we covered last week that repentance is a changing of our mind in regards to sin or iniquity. Changing the way we think. It's actually turning away and going the opposite direction. It's turning away. True repentance from Denmark is changing the course of your life by stopping Changing your mind, changing your direction, facing the opposite way, turning your back on the shadows, and facing towards the light. 
It's something that completely changes in our life. And it's not just a, hey, I'm sorry, and then we keep believing the same way about the sin and we keep doing the same sin. We have to realize what it is, what it looks like, and have a change of mind and completely turn and walk the other direction. And sometimes God can only reveal that to us. Okay? So we have to be reminded that, you know, repentance is the very first step in pursuit of a relationship with God. You can't have just faith without repentance. You've got to have repentance with faith. So we're going to look, it was really hard last week not to really jump right into faith because the repentance and faith are so closely knit together. You've got to have really both to have a true salvation experience or a true relationship experience with Christ. And you can't just stand on one and say, well, I'm repentant, but I have no faith in Christ. Or I have faith in Christ, but I have no repentance in my, true repentance in my heart. You know, you just you can't you have to have you have to have both to have a true salvation experience, a true relationship with Christ. Mark 1.15, it says, The time has come, he said, it says the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So when we talk about repent and believe, we have to understand what the good news is. That's a huge part because if we're applying our faith towards God or in God, we have to understand what are we applying that faith, what type of belief system are we applying our faith in? Because there's a lot of people that apply their faith into all kinds of crazy concepts. It's not always a biblical concept, right? I have a faith system that says if I work hard, I'll be okay, I'll survive, I'll have everything I have need of. I place my faith in a false doctrine that says, well, if I'm good enough, even if I don't have a relationship with God, well, he's a good guy, so he would let me to he go to heaven. That's false doctrine. That's not doctrine established in the Word of God, but that's what some people, you can put your faith into certain things, and if the, if the model is not presented in the Bible, and this isn't our model, it can really get us off base of what God really has established. But I think we do, I think most people, at, to some degree, have faith in something. It's either self-righteousness, or hey, I can do it myself, or there's a, there's a spiritual belief system that says, I believe in a higher being, I believe in, in, in a concept that man, there had to have been a master plan in creation. You know, some, you know, the Big Bang Theory. Man, you know, just all this stuff happened in complete chaos and it worked out perfectly where everything just kind of worked out. And that's hard. That's a that's very hard concept to believe that, uh, that when we see so much details in our life, in the incremental details of our life and just how the order and how cells work and how babies are born, all of these concepts, just by accident, that happened. You know, but any time that we see a home, that has been built, we just don't say, hey, that, that home was just established out of chaos. We often believe that what? If we see a home built, there was what? There was a builder. There was a plan. There was work put in to create that. It just didn't come out of an existence. It's like, oh, you know, if I got to grab a whole bunch of two-by-fours and I just throw them blindly and look and they land and they turn into a house. And I wish it worked that way. I'm going to build a shed. Yes. Perfect, right? But that's sometimes when we think about like it's these, these concepts that are just, in theory, it would be awesome. In reality, it's really far from what the biblical truth says. It says, before the foundations of the world, the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth, formless and void. You know, Becky this morning was just talk, talking to the kids about creation on the first day, on the second day. All of these plans, all these things that God built. So we have to understand what we're believing in, what we're putting our faith in. So today we're going to look at faith towards or in God through true repentance. And that this will cause a life 
changing transformation. If you haven't had a life-changing transformation, I would encourage you to reevaluate your understanding of true repentance and, and your understanding of true faith. Because if that's just where we start and we have that, that understanding of where we've had a change of mind and we've applied our faith towards God, just that first two initial steps will radically shape and change your life. But that's just the, the first step. So faith is, is actually defined in the book of Hebrews. So let's look at it. There's very few definitions like, it's like, hey, this is what I meant exactly like this. We have to kind of get context clues and read multiple parts in the Bible to get a good understanding of what a word means. But let's look at Hebrews 11, 1. Got your word. I'll give you a chance to turn there. If not, look at it on the board up here. So anytime that the, the, the Scripture gives us an exact definition, it's probably because God really, really wanted us to make sure we knew what it was and we didn't try to define it differently. Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then if we go down to verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Like that's what I was talking about, that belief system. We must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. So those are really two co cool concepts. You know, we have, to, we have to believe that He exists, but then He also is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So it's not so much that He just wants salvation, that's it, but there's good gifts, there's good things that He desires to give us, and we see that all through the Word. But there's always a condition. They're always conditional. You know, you have to, have, you have to be repentant. You have to have faith. You have to apply these things in Christ alone to receive the benefits of being a child of the King. It's not something that's just free and it's just, hey, well, I'm a good person, so I'll reap those benefits. No. That concept where it says, you know, it, it, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we remove faith from that equation, what are we left with that we have to try to work out. It's just by our works or by our deeds and we're either good enough or we're not. And there's, there's, there's belief systems that are set up like that. Well, if I'm good enough, I'll go to heaven. As long as I'm not a bad person, man, God couldn't send me to hell. That's the concepts that we think. You know, but it says, but the Bible says without faith. Faith is that, that key component that changes everything. It's impossible to please, to please God without faith. So anything that a person may do at any time prior to surrendering their life to Christ, it's viewed as, to God, as sinful. It's of no value, you know, because we think of these morally good people, right, who do great things all the time. But there's no faith, they're just good people. So in God's eyes, when we don't know Him and there's no relationship with Him, there's nothing that we do apart from faith that pleases Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if I, if I take my little faith block that God has given me under salvation and I set it aside and I don't allow that to be part of my life, it doesn't matter what I do. I can raise millions of dollars, give them to third world countries. I can do the best of my ability to, to help people. And, but it says to God, without faith, we cannot please Him. And I think that's where we get caught. Well, with I'm good enough. So when we say that concept, if I'm good enough, it puts us in control of being able to change the outcome rather than faith in Christ that, that really dictates the outcome. Because it puts me in control. Well, if I'm good enough, 
The only way to heaven was through Christ. He made it very, very clear in his word that it's, it's not by works that any man shall boast. Or else we might have a chance to be able to boast about that. So faith is absolutely required for salvation. True repentance and saving faith. So Isaiah 40, or 64, verse 6, it says, All of us have become like one who is unclean. What did it say? All of us, right? He didn't say just no. He didn't just say Becky. He said all of us. So that's everybody in this room. It says, All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteous acts, all of our good things that we do are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So righteousness, it can't be established by how good we are or through what we do, but only through our faith in or towards God. That's the only way. So Christ makes us righteous. So we have to understand, what is the, the definition of righteous? Righteous is being in right standing with God. You know, so unless our acts have been, have been preceded by true repentance and unless they are motivated by true faith, they are nothing but dead works. What did we talk about last week? Repentance from what? Dead works. Dead works accomplish nothing. Dead works will send you to hell. But God, He says, have repentance from dead works, have faith unto God, and you'll receive salvation. Right? This is what we place our faith in. It's not, it's, you know, it's, uh, we have to understand that it's a, there's a turning way away from those dead works and it's moving in faith towards God. Repentance must accompany faith. But true faith, you know, nothing will happen without repentance. We, can't, we have to have both in agreement, moving in the same direction for it to, to actually pr produce change in our life. Ephesians 2, 8-9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through, through faith. And this is not from yourself. This is a gift of God. Not by works so that no man can boast. Kind of got ahead of my notes on me, right? Because if it was just me being good enough, I could boast in my own self-righteousness and I could send myself to heaven because of my own good works. But God set it up where there was only one mediator, only one way to heaven. And that's faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Faith unto Jesus, faith unto God. Hey, there. They're so closely connected, you know, you can almost use the names interchangeably, but we got to understand what God did in sending Jesus Christ His own Son. Right? Because each of those positions, when we say God, when we say the Son, and we say the Holy Spirit, each of those play an important role in this understanding of our basic foundations also. You know, because if we just think, well, God came to earth, God killed Himself, it was God's plan, and then God went back, man, we'll get all kinds of messed up, right? So there has to be separation of the Trinity of understanding God the Son, God the Father, God the Son, and God through the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that, that concept. So it's not just enough to believe or have faith in God. We must also repent from all self-righteousness and sin. So in order to better understand what faith is, we need to take a moment and understand what works are. I want to be very clear that we're not just trying to be good people and work our way into heaven because that will not accomplish anything. Apart from faith, we cannot what? Please God. We cannot do it. It doesn't matter. So by faith, I mean what we believe. And by works, you know, let's just separate it. So faith is what we believe. Works is actually what we do. 
we got to separate these two concepts because if we think that faith is what we do, we'll get it mixed up. But faith is actually what we believe. Works is actually what we do. Now, there is a time where works actually matter, matters, but the faith has to come first in order for those works to accomplish anything Amen. and to be of any value to God. Got to make sure that those, are, that those, those happen in the right order. So repentance from dead works is changing the way we think or changing our mind. We have to look into what has actually changed, you know, because we have to think about it. What actually changed? What produced that change? What has caused us to see our unrighteousness and our need for a Savior? You know, because a change happened, you know, or sometimes maybe a change didn't happen and we just made a head decision and not a change of heart. And that can be a dangerous place also because, you know, our brain is filled with what our mind, will, and emotions and if today I'm super excited about God and all I've had is a mindset, well, then tomorrow I have a bad day. I get out of bed. I stump my toe. I go to work. I get fired. I come home. My kid fell, broke his arm. And I have a horrible day. I just lost my salvation in one day because all it was was in my mind and not in my heart. We have to understand that, you know, where faith happens is within the heart. It's not just a mind. It's not just a concept. It's a change of heart. It's faith unto belief in Christ. So we have to understand what is going on. Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Once again, every single one of us. It's not that some of us are born with a, with, with a better hand and some of us are built are, are born with a deck sacked against us. It's like, God, man, this guy was born into a great family. He grew up, you know, you know, with great inheritance. Look at me, I didn't have anything, but... When we look, when we put it on, on a scale of where it says all have fallen short of the glory of God, we're all at that same place. Sinful, deserving of death, and lost without a Savior. Amen. So we come to the place of where we figure out all of our works are leading to death, and we get to that place of saying, man, I don't know if this is right. We get to the place and we say, God, this isn't working. I repent, but now what do I do? But if we just stop there and we just repent and we don't turn to faith towards God, we miss the next step. Come on. Because we can turn from that sin of dead works, that the repentance of dead works, we can turn. But if we just stand there, we're still not moving in faith towards God. We're at that same place. And I think sometimes we're just like, well, I don't know what to do. So we just make the big circle and we turn right back to the sin. Rather than faith towards God. So when we say towards or in God, that is an act, act, action word. Towards, it's moving, it's, it's, it's motion. It requires something of us. You know, it, it, it requires everything we do to be focused around it, and we have to be driven by faith in every aspect of our life. So I, I ask the question, how did, what begins to change? What causes our concepts of faith, our concepts of God to begin to change? If we look at Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. So the more we're exposed to the Word of God, the more our faith grows. So the Word is the only thing that really produces faith within our life. The Word of God is what produces faith unto salvation. You know, I've never heard anybody get saved and not been presented to the Word of God or the truth or some type of, hey, did you hear about Jesus Christ? No, I never have. And they hear the story, like, man, that's awesome, man. I believe in that. I want to receive that. You know, I've never, you know, I mean, I don't think it happens apart from the Word because the Word produces faith. Faith produces, you know, geared towards God, causes salvation. 
says faith grows by hearing the word of God, and the word of God is the only thing that really produces that type of saving faith. So, you know, when we were talking about the elementary principles, I was thinking about, well, God, what were you talking about? What measure of faith, what level of faith would be a foundational basic? So the basic faith that we're talking about here is the saving faith. That means the faith unto salvation. You know, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, when we receive the Holy Spirit and this Holy Spirit gives us a gift of supernatural faith that is just this huge faith to believe for the amazing things. That comes later, but the first initial basic fundamental elementary principle is saving faith. It's believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it's making that choice unto salvation. That's the faith that the fundamental elementary, but then from that, it says every time we're exposed to the Word of God, what happens? Faith grows. So faith is something that when it's watered and when it's nurtured, it grows into this huge thing. You know, it says what? Faith is like a mustard seed, right? Which, which is the smallest seed, but yet it grows into the biggest tree. It's something that grows over time. But this faith that, faith that I'm talking about, it is the initial faith unto salvation. It's simple. It's not a huge, man, I have to have this huge faith to receive it. It says to believe, to repent, and believe, and receive. That's it. It's really a simple, it, it's, it's the smallest measure of faith probably that you can have. But it's the most important one. Because if you don't receive the saving faith, you can't receive the supernatural faith and all of these gifts from the Holy Spirit because you've got to be saved to receive the Holy Spirit. You can't just receive the Holy Spirit but not receive salvation. You can't just have faith but not receive repentance. Everything is tied together and God is building a house in a certain specific order and all of these steps are important but they have to be applied in a process. You can't put a roof on a house without the walls standing first. It's impossible to me. I guess you build it on the floor but I don't know what, that, what good that would do, right? You could, but it's not going to work as its intended purpose. And I think that's what we have to understand that God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. He has a specific plan for your life. And, you know, even in that scripture, he says, man, you, you, you are still within these elementary principles. And if we go back, we shared a little bit last week where it says, some of you should be teachers by now, but you are still babies and infants. Establish this foundation, grow so that you might be profitable to the kingdom of God, that we might grow and we might grow into maturity, that you would be teachers and evangelists and you would impact the world. God doesn't want infant Christians forever. Amen. You know, I mean, I think, you know, if you just look at the natural process of how our children grow, you can't keep them from growing. It automatically happens. But why are we stunted in our spiritual walk with Christ? Maybe we're not doing the right things to grow. Maybe we're not implementing the right things or focusing on the right things. So just like a baby can't begin to grow until it's conceived, a Christian can't receive supernatural Holy Spirit birth, faith, and gifts apart from a conversion. A choice of following Christ. Something has to happen in your life before all of these gifts, all of these things begin to happen. You can't jump ahead and just, you know, it'd be like saying a kid is going to all of a sudden become a teenager. You, it's a process of growing and developing. You have to systematically go through this process. It's the way God established it. And I guess, you know, because faith grows, I think each measure of faith really requires a little bit more faith. Saving faith is easy. But let's say I'm trying to believe for a supernatural healing in my body. That's a whole other level of faith. I can believe in Jesus Christ, but you're talking about, you hear stories of limbs growing back, all of these things, you know, blind from, from the womb. 
all of a sudden eyes beginning to see, all of a sudden legs beginning to grow out, you know, limbs growing out. You're like, this is, man, this is crazy supernatural faith, but it is faith that grows and matures that believes unto these things with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about that when we look at baptisms, water baptism, but also baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I do believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that God wants that to happen as soon as possible in your life. Amen. We don't want to stretch it to the end of our life where we're like, man, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's like, Sorry, this is the thing. I, don't, I can't think of any other illustration. But, you know, it's like the steroids of the Christian walk. It's when all of a sudden gets immediate results and you're like, man, what is going on? Because what does the word say? It says it will cause power. Don't do steroids, okay? <laughs> Just can't think of any other illustration that really would, would impact in that type of way where it's like, man, this is happening way faster. This is not normal. The Holy Spirit's not normal. Right. It'll cause a change in your life to begin to, to cause every area of your life to grow. Amen. I better come back in a few weeks. You don't hear about that. I'll keep moving over here. <laughs> so we have to understand that, you know, faith towards God, if it, it involves simply believing what God says. That's faith in its, its most simplest form. It's believing God will do what He says He's going to do and that you believe God. You know, think about Abraham. God told Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations. And this was, this was way before he even had a son of his own. Can you imagine that concept? Man, I can't, my wife can't even get pregnant. And you're telling me I'm going to be a father of many nations? Like, oh, I'm not really my trick. I don't have that many kids. And I don't know how you're going to do this. You know, but he, he believed what God said rather than what he saw in the natural. Faith, remember, what's, what's that definition of faith? Faith is being sure of what we hope for, so that promise of what God says, we hope for that, and we're, we're certain of what we do not see. We're a culture that wants to see it and touch it and feel it if we're going to believe it. But he says, how much better are those who have not yet seen, but yet still believe? That is greater faith. Because, you know, you think of the disciples or whatever. And, oh, man, they had it better because they saw Jesus. They could actually physically touch Jesus. But the Word of God says, how much more powerful is it for those who have not seen but yet believe? Now, if we open our eyes, we will see God's work all around us. It's not something that we're like, oh, you know, we serve as God. I've never seen nothing. I've never seen a heart change. I've never seen, you know, this. We just are, we're looking in the wrong with the wrong type of eyes. We're, see, we're looking for just maybe supernatural healing or whatever, like just what I was talking about, these limbs growing back, these tangible, watching these things. But we don't realize that, you know, a transformed heart is exactly that same process. He takes a heart of stone and he takes it out and gives us a heart of flesh and he's completely recreated our heart. He's fixed it. Right? We have to, we have to understand what that means and what that looks like. But believing God... Not just what we see. This is the whole premise of faith. Believing in what we don't see. Roman 10, Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth, so this means out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is speaking. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, believe slash faith, those are always tied together. You can't believe without faith. You can't have faith without believing. It's all tied together. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. It doesn't say you might, you could, it's possible. But it's what it is saying is that when the conditions are correct and they are right, when you've had true repentance and you've had true faith, you will be saved. Now, if we have false repentance, 
and we have false faith, you might not be saved. But when the conditions are correct and they're right and they're out of a sincere heart, we will see that people will be saved. And it says, so it is, it is, in verse 10, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe through faith and are justified. So the word justified means God sees us in a light where it's just as if we had never, ever, ever sinned. That's an awesome gift. Because I've messed up a lot in my life. And when I think of that free grace gift that God gave me where He sees me in the light of the forgiveness and the blood of Christ and He sees me how He's created me to be rather than my shortcomings and failures and sin. Man, that's a good trade. Yes, it is. You know, even if I just want to look at the natural, like, hey, man, a get rich scheme. Hey, this is a get get saved scheme, and it's always worth it. I shared a little bit ago that sometimes we don't really even know what we're getting into when we decide to serve Christ. But I can promise you, it's always worth it. Thank you. Every single time. So it's with your heart that you believe and you're justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So when we release a confession through true repentance and faith, you are saved. But those conditions have to meet the biblical model and they have to be supported by true repentance and true saving faith. It's not just what you can see or touch, but it's by what you believe in faith in your heart. It's a heart transformation. You know, faith is something that has to come from your heart, not your head. Let me, let me, let me just re-emphasize that one more time, man. It's not just a concept. It's not just a history lesson. It's not something that we just, uh, that we understand a certain concept, but it's about an unmovable, undeniable conviction. It's a place of believing and surrendering everything for the sake of Christ through faith. Because apart from faith, you can't please God. Apart from faith, you can't be saved. Faith is the key that changes everything. You know, we think of a conviction. You know, what, what, do we, what do we think when we say the word conviction? So the word conviction, you know, it, it's, it, it's, firmly held, it's a firmly held belief or opinion. But true faith produces a very, very strong conviction. You will say, man, there's no way I can any longer deny the existence of a God. The, 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 that, there's, that Jesus Christ never came. It produces, true faith produces strong convictions. And you don't have to have anybody, you know, say, oh, are you sure? No, I know with, without a shadow of a doubt, you cannot change my mind anymore. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. He's, he's recreated. He has changed my heart. He has, break the, he's has broken the power of sin over my life. I'm convicted, convinced with every fiber of my being that there is a God with an ultimate plan who sent His Son on the, on, to the earth to die for my sins so that I might not die, but I might have life. Thank you. Amen. And you cannot convince me otherwise. Strong convictions because we've lived it, we've felt it, we've, we've experienced the transformation power of true repentance and true faith. And it works every single time. Because it's all up to God. It's not about us. Revelations 3.20. It says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You know, I was thinking about this and uh, 
Have you ever been at your house and somebody knocks? One of two things, which, you know, it's kind of weird in our culture today. Not that many people knock. So, like, at my house, when somebody knocks, the kids are super excited. Hey, somebody's here. You know, they run into the, We're just at a different culture. You know, we just, you know, you don't knock. You send a text. You say, hey, I'm here. And then what do we say? Hey, come on in whenever you get here. We don't even knock anymore. But I think growing up, you know, what were the times when we didn't answer the door? You know, if there was a salesman or, like, you know, I've always talked to Jehovah's Witness, I think. Or I don't know if we ignored it or not. I can't remember growing up. But like, you know, those moments when you like, you hear that knock. And you're like, shh, don't say nothing. Pretend we're not here. Don't open the door. <laughs> you know, turn off the TV. Turn it up. Grab the dog's mouth so it doesn't bark. Like, man, you want to make sure they don't even know you're there. And anybody even lives there. You know, because you're hearing that knocking and we're, and we're ignoring that somebody is on the other side of the door. Right? You know, so we hear it. But we don't respond to it. Or we choose not to respond to it, right? But what does this scripture say? It says that I stand and I keep on knocking at the door. So faith under belief has like, so I was thinking about it. Like some of us, you know, will look through a window or, you know, some of the doors, which some of the newer ones don't even have them. Like the little peepholes where you can look. You know, you look real quick because maybe they're looking right back at you and they might see you come to them. <laughs> You know, but you can actually see that somebody's out there. But like my house, I have just a, a window kind of on top. I had to almost get on a chair to see out of it. Now, I could run and kind of look through the window, but how my house is configured, they would be on the porch, so I might not be able to see them. But I'm hearing a knocking. And in faith, I'm believing or hoping, unless a kid's playing a joke, that somebody's on the other side of that door if I open it. Right? I'm hearing a knocking. It's not just the wind blowing. It's not just a limb hitting the house. There's an actual knocking on the door. So that always re results in a person standing on the other side of the door. But we have to remember that there's locks on that door usually, right? So there's a deadbolt and there's usually a handle. If you don't have a deadbolt, put a deadbolt on. I don't know. You know, we're going to stick with the deadbolt for the illustration, right? So that deadbolt is always in a locked configuration, right? So in order for me to open that door... In faith, believing that somebody's there, there has to be a change. I have to change that deadbolt from one direction to the other. I have to turn it and I have to remove that. Just like repentance. I have to turn that deadbolt. Now, I still haven't opened the door. And somebody's still on that other side knocking. And I still believe somebody's there and I've repented. But until I grab that last handle and I turn it and I cause it to open, I have yet applied faith to open that door to see if somebody's really there. Faith is opening, you know, and you know, there's sometimes like we think somebody's there and we feel really, really foolish when we're like, you sure you heard the door? I yell at the kids like, hey dad, you didn't hear nobody. We close the door and we walk away. But it says what? I stand at the door and knock. If anybody would open that door. If you hear my voice, then you open the door. So I think this is more than just like, you hear him knocking, but he says, you hear my voice also. Hey, I know you're in there. <laughs> Open the door. I heard y'all try to hustle bustle. I heard you turn the TV off. I heard the little pitter, pitter patter of all the footsteps and you kind of corral all the kids to the back room. Shh. Walls aren't as quiet as we think, right? But we got to turn that deadbolt and we got to open that door under faith if we're to receive what Christ has for us. Believing that he is on the other side and he is waiting for us, but he's calling us, he's beckoning us to open the doors of our heart that he might come in. But I, I, it's conditional. 
I don't necessarily have to open that door. But when I choose to open it, what does it say? I will come in. I will come into your heart. I will eat with him. That means he will fellowship with you. He'll be a part of your life. He'll be involved in your life. And not only will I eat with you, but you will eat with me. I will know you and have a relationship with you. We all know John 3.16, right? What does it say? You guys help me out. It says, For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes who has faith in Him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life or eternal life. It's a promise right? straight from the Word. We believe unto Him. But God gave, but it's our choice to receive. And faith is the only way to do that. Romans 10, 13, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, sometimes there's some conflicts of opinions, but I'm reading it straight for who it is. I mean, is it some? Is it few? Is it just the select? I would give my life for every single one of my children at any time. Doesn't matter if one's been horrible that day. And my heart as a father, I wouldn't say, hey, you're good enough and you're not. So in my understanding of that concept, when I say all, that's all. Even if you don't deserve it, even if you never receive it. It doesn't change my nature and my love for you. It doesn't change any of that. I died for all of you. And all who call on my name shall be saved. So the condition is faith and the decision is on you. But I can't do it for you. But I've, given, I've done all the work so that you might be saved. We look at Acts 2, 37 through 38. So this is what happened because we talked about how you hear the word, word, the word produces faith. And then what do we do with that faith? In Acts 2, 37 to 38, it says, And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and penetrated their heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? There was a question because they didn't know what to do. They said, Hey, we hear this, man. It, it has affected me in a real way. It has penetrated my heart. So right there, they're on that fringe of that faith unto salvation. But they need guidance. They're saying, what do we do? Guess what? We have the whole Word of God for us now. These guys were speaking the words of Jesus and they were communicating those things from the heart of Jesus. But we have the Word of God to give us the whole picture. It's not just a small snippet of it and we don't need to be ignorant. We should know what the next step is. But it says, you know, how, how, do, how do we respond to what we just heard? You know, that's the, that's the question they had and that's the question we should have. This morning, what are you going to do with faith? Do you have faith? Have you applied faith? And it's, then Peter replied in verse 38, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So when we say forgiveness of sins, that is true repentance. Actually turning from that sinful nature. And then it says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we just said earlier that you won't receive the Holy Spirit unless you're saved. So you can guarantee they received faith unto salvation so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because it's a prerequisite. You have to be saved to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, God's ultimate plan, guess what? It's a double special now. He wants you to be saved and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time. In these days, they just heard of salvation, and Jesus was, you know, Jesus was still on the earth preaching, so yet the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. But now we're at the end of we're, we're towards the tail end of this story where hey, he's already went to heaven, he's already sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. So for those who get saved at this moment, at this time, in this day and age, not only am I sending you faith to salvation, but I'm also sending you the Holy Spirit who will be effective in all you do. Thank you. 
Well, we'll get to that in two weeks. <laughs> Letting that appetite, right? It's going to be good, man. Super excited about it. But he says, repent and, be, and, and believe and be baptized, and you'll receive gifts. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive all of these good things. So faith and repentance it is the only correct response to the gospel. Amen. What else do you do? I mean, you know, there, there, was, there was people who heard Jesus preach, and it says that they turned and they walked away because it was too difficult. But Jesus didn't preach a watered-down gospel either. He said, I am requiring for you to take up your cross, to crucify your flesh, to die to self that you might follow me. And that's the full depth of the gospel. It wasn't just like, hey, man, it's not going to be good. We ain't got to go to hell now, guys. Yes. We can sin as much as we want. We're forgiven. No, man, this was a crucifying of your life. It was a death into Christ and raising up to live a new life. Your opinions no longer matter. You were you were no longer a slave to sin, but you were a slave unto righteousness. That's what the Word of God says. Enslaved to it, you, it was required. It was demanded. It was expected that you would follow Christ to the ends of the earth, even unto death. But in, in American culture, man, I'll come when it's convenient. But if it gets difficult, I'm gonna skip that message. Sorry, we're not gonna be a church that preaches like that. So. We're going to make sure we understand the weight of the gospel and the price that Jesus paid. And if He gave His life unto death, I'm willing to give my life unto death Amen. for the sake of the gospel. I really believe deep down that we, we desire to live for something we're dying for. Oh, absolutely. It's more than just this, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Man, there's so much more to it than that. We need to really understand what we're believing unto. Yes. What we're applying our faith in so that we might live the lives that God has called us to live. In its power, in its might, in its excitement. Man, because it's, it's an exciting thing. It's not this dull, boring gospel. Man. It's super simple, but man, it's so complex. You know, like that's, that's you know, as we look at these fundamental basics. I'm talking about basics right now. And it's like, I know some of us, and even me, it's like, this is some deep stuff. It's fundamental basics. But it's the starting place. It's where we have to start. So faith and repentance is the only way. It's the only correct response to the gospel. We hear the word and we're cut to the heart. And, and we respond in faith towards God unto salvation. Through Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's always what the response should be. So to place our faith towards God, we have to be very clear that we're, we're not placing it within our own faith. John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So the drawing happens from Father God. But look what it says, John 12, 32. It says, But when I am lifted up from the earth, when I am no longer here on the earth, I'm going to go up to heaven. And when I get there, I am going to draw all men to myself. So Jesus desires to draw all men to himself. The Word of God says, All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sounds very, very consistent. Consistent in regards to where anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I get to heaven, I'm going to draw all men to me. But it's a choice. And I think that's that's the hardest thing, man. It's just like, please, man, I almost want to plead with you. You do not have this relationship with Christ, man. You are missing out from the greatest gift ever given by that living God. Amen. You think creation is cool and all this stuff you built? Check out a transformed life. It's just as, as impactful. It's just as good. And it's just as great. And it's the same God that gave it all. 
but it's something that he has to do. So this is ultimately what we are placing our faith in, that Christ was delivered by God the Father to the punishment of death on the cross in account for our sins. That Christ was dead and buried. We've got to understand all of the concepts of what we're applying our faith in, that he was dead and buried, and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. So this righteousness is received from God through belief, confession, and surrendering our lives unto God in faith through Jesus. Let me read that last part again because it might have been, what are you saying, right? Righteousness is received from God through believing, confessing, and surrendering our lives unto God. We give everything we are to God in faith through Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. He paid the ultimate price. So the power of God's work unlocks the shackles of our hearts and sets us free, allowing us to place our faith in Jesus or to have faith unto God. That's what happens. I'm going to close uh, with a uh, close with an illustration. I need a brave, bold volunteer. You want to help me out? Stand up. Don't just raise your hand. Everybody's scared this morning. Trust your pastor on. Right, come on, choose the first one. Alright. So you just stand right here just for a minute. So in this illustration, I'm really gonna, you know, what what is what was the definition of, of faith? Believing in a hope. Believing in what? We cannot see, right? You get right back here so I quote it. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We're all in agreement? Can you see without your glasses or are you like crazy blind? Bad? Alright, I need you to take off your glasses for me. So we're going to dull it up if she takes your glasses off, I guess. Let's see your glasses real quick. Alright. Come up here on the stage or we're going to make it a little bit more interesting. Alright? There's a lot more danger up here. Turn on all these lights for me up here real quick. Okay, so I'm going to put this on and make sure you cannot see, okay? Clear over your eyes. I'm going to do it super tight because I don't want to be all blurry. You can't see anything, right? Promise? I'm a pastor. Don't lie. On and off? Let me do it. I'm going to do it tighter. I didn't want to. Uh, make sure you can't see for this to really, really work. Not hurt her and pull her hair out and all this stuff. All right, you ready? You good? You sure? Okay. All right, so faith is believing in what you can't see, but it's also following instructions. So I need you to spin around three times. All right, stop for me. Can you see? Okay, just couldn't see. All right, stand right there for me, all right? Take two steps to the right and then stop. Take two steps backwards. Take three steps to your right. You know where you're at right now? Yeah. All right, okay. All right. Take two giant steps backwards. 
Okay, now walk forward towards me. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Whoa, 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 whoa. You okay? What if you would have almost fell off the stage? Okay. <laughs> All right, take a big step. Two big steps to your right. Kind of side step. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to kick something. Go back to your left. Two steps. Okay. Take two, two or three big giant steps forward. Big giant steps. You're okay. You got to trust me. You got to apply faith. Okay. One more big step. Okay. You're okay. All right. Stop right there. Be very careful. Okay. Faith is believing in what you can't see, right? All right. Okay. I need you to sit down very, very, very slowly and carefully. Not cross, not cross the egg. Okay. Were you fearful? <laughs> I didn't tell you how to sit. I'm sorry. Pull that off for me. Thank you for your help. Can you get down the stairs? I should have told her she was sitting down. Gonna go down Indian style on the ground. So faith applies. She had no idea that that chair would be there or wouldn't be there. I didn't tell her. She didn't see the chair before ahead of time, and she wasn't sure that saying, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay that that chair's going to be there. I shouldn't tell her to do yeah. any style, and she would have sat down perfectly. Yeah. But did you see the momentary hesitation? Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know where I'm at, you know. And To truly apply faith in something we cannot see, we have to sit down and trust that the chair is going to be there every single time. Yeah, come yeah. on. Come on. Just like salvation. we got to believe that God's going to come through with His Word and what He says He's going to do. And when I have faith in the God that He's not going to let me down. So I apply that faith boldly. But how many of you guys know that faith is just actually sitting down? I might be scared. I might be terrified. I might be fearful. But obedience is still outweighs any of that hesitation. You know, it's just, oh, I'm going to die. You know, like, I mean, you saw that momentary, you know, of like, what if? I fall. What if, you know, and it would have been harder if I wouldn't have let her go cross-legged. I would have told her that because she would have just had to sit. And if you're just sitting and you cross-legged, you know the ground's there. If you sit back and you and there's no chair and there's nothing there, guess what, buddy? You're going to free fall. Yeah. And this isn't a team building trust fall. <laughs> I didn't take a whole bunch of you guys up there with me to catch her. But she believed in faith that she'd be okay. And we believe in faith that God will fulfill all that He's called us to do and asked us to do. And then we, when we place our faith in God through the price of His Son, our lives will be saved and changed. You guys stand up with me. Thank you, Lord. Faith towards God. He's given us each a measure of saving faith within us to believe. For all of you here, you've heard more than enough word today Amen. to believe in what Jesus did for your life. If not, I can give you a whole bunch more. But I believe that this morning, there, there's been enough presented that the only response to the gospel is repentance and faith. That's the place we're at. These are the fundamental, basic, elementary principles of everything else we stand on. We have to repent from dead works. <laughs> And we have to have faith towards God. Which equals salvation. It's the most important decision you will ever make of your, in your whole life. 
there's a lot of decisions where to work, where, you know, who to marry. Like these are big things, right? You know, where do I live? Do I move out of state? Do I stay where I'm at? Receiving salvation and choosing to follow Jesus is just as important. It'll dictate everything for the rest of your life. But for some of you this morning, have you ever sat down in the chair? Believed in what you can't necessarily see and what you can't necessarily touch. But you choose faith towards God through the Son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, if we got prayer teams available, if you can just come forward. And, and this morning, if you say, man, no, I've never, I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. Maybe. We just took it as this nonchalant kind of just like, oh, you know, I'm going to get saved, so I'm going to go to hell. You know, they told me just repent, pray, you know, do this thing, you know, this repeat this head prayer and, and I'll be saved. But there was never a heart transformation. There was never a response to saying, man, I believe in God now. I'm surrendering my life to God. And maybe you didn't get there because you didn't have true repentance. We didn't realize that we were all sinful, deserving of death, in need of a Savior. So we've got to have both sides of the picture to really have a true salvation experience. So this morning, if you just, uh, and maybe some of you are saved, but man, you just maybe just need to say, man, I need somebody to agree with me this morning that, man, I, and just apologize saying, God, I'm sorry I didn't see it for what it was. Because I think God is graceful, great, gracious, and merciful. You know, even if somebody re tries to get us to, to recite a cruddy salvation prayer, I think God can still use that. It's not a perfect, specific prayer that is like, well, if you don't pray just like this, you're not saved. No, it says, ask that you might receive. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But this morning you say, man, I'm getting, I'm getting hung up with the repentance thing or I'm getting hung up with the faith thing and I just need somebody just to really agree with me that I would really even grow in my understanding of that, that those two fundamental elementary principles in my life will no longer shake or I will, I will, it, won't be a, it will be a strong, secure foundation. We just want to agree with you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for each one here, Lord. I thank you for faith towards you. Father, that you would stir faith, that you would grow faith. Father, that we would understand without it, we could never please you. Father, but with it, it changes our life. And Father, also gives us the, the potential to change the world. So God, I pray that you would just release a, a measure of faith unto salvation this morning. To anyone who doesn't know you or has never committed their life to you. Father, if we've watered down the gospel, Lord, and we've minimized what true repentance is and what true saving faith is, God, that today we would realize the death and the price that was paid for it, God. Father, that you would continue as we read your word, Father, that we would just see the depths of that love for us. And Father, that we would boldly serve you all the days of our life, God. Father, I pray for each one here this morning, Lord, that you'd bless them this week, God, that you, you would multiply their arrest even with this time change, thank God. Father, I pray that as they wake up in the morning, Father, that you would just uh, just encourage their spirit, man, inside of them. Father, that uh, you would stir purpose and destiny and plan and calling. Father, that you would just uh, challenge us to trust you and to sit in that chair every single day of our life. Because every day, God, we really do have to trust you. It's not just a one-time thing. Faith is something that you require to grow within us.
and we need it every single day and every moment of our lives. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And Lord, Father, we pray that we would just grow in our understanding of you. And Father, that we would grow as disciples of you. Father, that we would go and love the world as you love them. Father, that we would be a testimony of what you're doing here and now in this earth to all of those around us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. So next week, we're going to look at uh, instructions about baptisms. I'd encourage you guys to be a part of that. If it's your first time here and you've never visited, we got first-time visitor cards in the back. I'd love for you to fill one out. I'll get up with you this week. But just know that, man, everything I talked about this morning, it's available to you. God doesn't say, hey, it's for me, but it's not for you. It says, all who seek, find. God stands at the door and knocks. Are you bold enough to open it and see what's on the other side? So you guys be blessed. Thank you for just being here with us this morning. We're looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Y'all be blessed. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.